You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, coming at you with another episode of the Seeking Excellence Podcast. It's great to be with you on this Monday uh, morning or whenever you're listening to this, I guess. But, um, you know, if you listen to my podcast episode from Friday, started my first little weekly roundup. Uh, if you have any feedback for me on that one, I'd love to hear it. It'd be great to hear what you thought about that, if you enjoyed it, if you thought, you know... Um, I, I think it'd be great to cover this at the end of the week or this going into the weekend. Um, that would be awesome to hear from you because I think that it's something that's kind of new to me and I'm trying to try it out because I wanted to do a um, uh, a third episode each week and start kind of getting the routine of that. So, I, you know, the weekly roundup is main mainly um, an attempt at really focusing on kind of the major headlines and stuff that have come out from the week and, uh, yeah, the mass readings going into the weekend and then kind of like any lessons learned. You know, I have very thought-provoking conversations, listen to thought-provoking podcasts. And I was like, I kind of need something where I can share some of these like mini thoughts that I have that aren't necessarily full episode things, but you know, um, I'd like to share things that I've learned, you know, there are little tips, tricks, whatever about myself, about life, whatever it might be. All right. So, uh, yeah, if you enjoyed that, definitely let me know. It's greatly appreciated. Um, and then today, as you saw in the title, I've been asking, I've had a few people ask me rather, to do a little coverage on the Andrew Tate situation. So first, on Andrew Tate, um, if you don't know who he is, I really want to introduce you to him at first. Um, and, and we're going to kind of juxtapose two different clips because I had heard some of him before, and I, I, I don't know how YouTube picks the algorithm for YouTube shorts, but my YouTube shorts, like if you know what they are, they're like Instagram reels, like TikToks, right? They're the little shorter videos that... Um, are mainly viewed for, on your phone. And I only watch them like I would usually, I got into a routine of like watching YouTube shorts while I brush my teeth at night, right? So we're talking like a few a day um, compared to like I watch a good bit of YouTube and a lot of Instagram reels. But they're, they're a substantially different vibe and like kind of strategy to the shorts. And so um, I had seen uh, Andrew Tate. I feel like I get a lot more like um, Jocko and David Goggins and Jordan Peterson in my YouTube shorts. Um, and I don't know if it must be a totally different algorithm because I obviously get like a good bit of those guys in my suggested videos, but mainly just Jordan Peterson. I don't really see too many like Jocko or David Goggins videos come up. 
I usually have to search for them. So it's it's interesting how I get them and then like comedians. Like I'll get like Bill Burr, Theo Bond, Chris D'Elia stuff. Um, because I love comedians and Dave Chappelle. Um, but I would randomly get an Andrew Tate video here and there, and I'd be like, who is this guy? I'd never fully heard of him, but I'd seen some of his videos in YouTube shorts. So we're talking like very short format, right? So easy to take out of context, whatever. Now, the first thing I want to show you, I'm tr- I tried to decide because I'm gonna play two clips for you. And I really struggled to know which one I wanted to play first and which one I wanted to play second. And so um, we're going to start with um, Andrew Tate after he got cut off. This is about a month ago. Um, it was posted on YouTube on April 26th, the one we're, we're showing. Uh, and I'll have the, the link to both of these in the um, show notes and stuff if you want to watch the full thing. Because we're going to watch him on Fox News on Tucker Carlson tonight. Um, it's a 15-minute video. We're going to watch, I don't know, 30 seconds of it. I didn't really like fully watch it. I watched it when it first came out, but um, one thing I think was interesting about this <laughs> and why I think Andrew Tate, I, I'm going to get into all of my thoughts on him, but generally just like uh, first impression, why I think Andrew Tate is a hoe is because of the way that he really, uh, I don't know if bitched up is the right word, um, just kind of generally got like super soft once he got canceled, <laughs> I think. They brought this man on Tucker Carlson. And now, I don't know if Tucker hadn't seen the other videos of this dude, but I was really shocked to see him on Tucker Carlson. Because this is the thing. I think that you can separate, similar to like Black Lives Matter, right? You can separate two things at once. You can say you agree with the statement and not support the organization. I can say that I don't necessarily love um, cancellation. I don't love... uh, uh, censorship, you know what I mean? Censoring things um, out of out of preference or, you know, that kind of stuff. We're, we're going to get into a debate and a discussion on that today. But at the same time, I would not have Andrew Tate on the Seeking Excellence podcast. And he's famous. You know what I mean? Like he could take me to new level. I would not do it because I think he's trash. I think he he shares shitty ideas and I think he's generally not a good man. So we're going to Get into some of the things that he talks about. Now, why I think it's interesting to play the Tucker one first is because you can see him as a hoe. You can see him kind of in the principal's office, dressing a little nicer. He doesn't have his cool sunglasses on that he wears in every other video where he's just super being a badass, right, and going all in. He's he's a nice little schoolboy in this one, which is not him. And the things that he shares, I think, are false. Um, and so I'm going to talk about both of those things. And so that's going to be the interesting thing. And you know I like to find myself in this interesting middle right where i can see the good and the bad from both sides i can see the complaints for him being taken off all social platforms and i can also see why people don't like him and so we're going to look at both of those today both from conservative outlets we're going to look at him on tucker carlson tonight and then we're going to listen to a clip after i give a little bit of feedback we'll listen to a clip of him on uh uh the candace owens gave her thoughts on him and she did a little montage of him as well and we're going to play that but let's get started here with the tucker one real quick I don't really feel like I've exposed anything. Like I'm truly not a very political person. This is the first time someone's experienced this level of ban. I'm not particularly right wing. I don't vote. I mean, I obviously have my own personal views, but they didn't ban me for that. Um, They banned me simply because I had large swaths of the population agreeing to very traditional masculine values Teenage men and young and young men, 20, 22, 23, 24, were looking up to me and aspiring to be like me. I have a very traditionally masculine life. 
I have fast cars and a big house and, and a lot of money and a beautiful girlfriend. And they thought they thought this was very, very threatening. And for some reason, they decided that it's better if they annihilate me from the Internet and replace me with somebody who's more aligned with whatever they're trying to purport. Tell us what your message is to young men. Yeah, so I think that being a man is very, very difficult. I think that men's issues are largely overlooked. The people in charge of the world pretend to care, but when somebody who's champion, championing, championing men's issues like myself comes forward and finally manages to garner huge percentiles of the public support, I'm silenced. So they're not really interested in men's issues. And there's a lot of young men growing up today that feel very disaffected. They feel invisible. The agendas that are being forced down their throats are not agendas they align with or they feel affinity to or agendas they want. And I basically just say to men, look, it's a very hard life. You're going to need to get up, work hard, go to the gym. Strong body is a strong mind. You're going to have to reject listening blindly to everything you're told. Reject the slave mind. Think for yourself. Get a strong network of brothers. Work aside them. Don't tolerate low-quality people in your life which means don't tolerate men who just smoke drugs and play video games or men who are disloyal or dishonest. By extension, don't tolerate women or girlfriends who are disloyal or dishonest and try and build and create a reality full of high quality people in which you can resist the programming that the matrix tries to uh, influence you with. Okay. So there you get a little bit of taste of what Andrew Tate can be like. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Now, I think I saw these videos, I think, in the same day as well. And so now I'm excited to show you the very, very different version. And I guess not show you, but you'll get to hear it. The very different version of uh, Mr. Tate that um, comes out in this uh, montage that Candace Owens put on. Put on. But I want to just talk about a, f- a few things there really quickly. I think his second half of that little uh, Tucker spot right there is a lot stronger than the first half. And why do I think that? Um, He talks about working hard, being fit, not tolerating and, you know, bonding yourself to these men who just sit at home and watch porn and smoke weed and play video games all day. Like, 100%, right? Like, I'm with that. I'm definitely with that. Where he gets off track is his fundamentals and his principles that he kind of builds everything off, which we're going to hear a lot more about that here but he gave you a little glimpse into that if you listen to him, where he said this quote, and it sticks out to me every time I watch it. I have a very traditionally mass, and this I'm I'm not quoting word for word, I'm not reading a script, but this is basically what he said. I have a very traditionally masculine life. I have fast cars, I have a big house, and I have a, a beautiful girlfriend. That's what I mean. Let me look up. I don't even know how old homeboy is, but that's not traditional masculinity. And, and, and it's, it's kind of funny because he's like, his whole jam is like masculinity from, I don't even, you know what I mean? Like it's masculinity in like the, the 70s and 80s. And so what's really crazy is he actually bashes against feminism ultimately, right? Because feminism is what does this deterioration to masculinity and victimize or not victimizes, but vilifies every man that exists, right? Radical feminism. He he hates that and says he's railing against it. And yet the things he used to rail against it are what most of us on actual traditional masculinity, actual um, 
you know, faith-based conservatism, we look at that and we're like, that is a result of radical feminism. And it is the actual definition of toxic masculinity, right? It's just thinking that being strong and being able to fight and, um, you know, having sex with lots of women, having money and cars and a big house and stuff. It's like, dog, no. So homie was born in 1986. So he's about to turn 36 this year. Like traditional masculinity at 36 is uh, being married and having kids. That's what traditional masculinity looks like. Doesn't mean it's going to be that way for everybody, but to say, oh, I have this like picture perfect mask. Like you have the, the movie style masculinity and that might be better than, you know, um, having they, them pronouns and, and being a feminist as a man that's pro-choice. It might be, be but it's, you're talking about the worst of two evils, right? The lesser of two evils. And so this isn't like, that's not, that's not virtuous. That's not something that we, we should be idolizing. And yet men are. So that's what I would say is probably the biggest problem with him. Now, you might be thinking, uh, you know, but we all do want to have a big house. I want to have a big house. I wouldn't mind having a faster car. Um, I'm very glad I'm married. I definitely wouldn't change him out for that one. Um, but let's let those being his principles and the foundation, he gave you a little glimpse into it there on Tucker Carlson. Now, let's look a little bit deeper here with what Candace put together. If I were to get on a plane and I were to that plane was to fly into the eye of a hurricane, there was a 50 percent chance of it crashing. I'd want a male pilot because I think that males are better under stress and under pressure. I think they're less likely to get emotional in, the, in, the, in a life or death situation. That's why they make better soldiers. That doesn't mean I'm a, that doesn't make me misogynist. That doesn't make me sexist. That's just true. Women are better at other things than men. And I'll sit here and say women are better at X. But I will say that men are better at Y. I'm not going to sit and pretend that, that we're all the same. We're not. Under pressure, when your life is on the line, anyone, with a, anyone who's honest would want a male pilot in said situation. You would not want a female pilot. I am extremely versed in CPR. I do know how to administer CPR. However, I will not administer CPR unless you're a hot female. This is the reality. If you're some fat dude and you just had a heart attack and I don't really know you, you're going to die. I mean, if you're a really good friend, no, not even if you're a friend. You better, if you're my friend, you just can't be a Well, I had a heart attack. Get the up. What's wrong with you? Go hospital later. Have a drink. Cigarette, cup of coffee. Back in the game. Having heart attacks near me, little so none of my friends would even have those kind of problems because I don't roll with little bitches. But if you're some dude I don't know and you need CPR, and everyone's looking at me, who knows CPR? Well, me. Help him. No. Why? Because I ain't gay. What would you do if I wanted to start an OnlyFans? I don't think there's anything intrinsically wrong with women doing OnlyFans, as long as I had influence and control over it. What do you mean? Doing a bit of photographer to get the angles, yeah? No, 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 no. I'm not doing any real work, but just like taking all the money. If my chick said, I want to do OnlyFans, I'm like, all right, then cool, go do it. How much you made? 10 grand, all right, give me eight. All right, cool. All right. Why would, what woman is going to give you eight grand? You're my woman, you're doing OnlyFans, you're selling my product. Your products. Yes, correct. Not, not Next question. Position. No. I don't know if you're being serious. I'm totally serious. How would I let my chick do OnlyFans and keep all the money? That's disrespectful. What woman is ever going to give you that? Then she better not do OnlyFans. Duh. I say things that they know are true and that they agree with, but I say it in a way that angers them emotionally and they get caught up in their brain because they're saying, he's saying the truth, but I'm pissed off by how he's saying it. So I want to argue with him, but he's right. So instead of saying men are physically stronger than women, I'll say females are weak. No, women, females are weak. Well, females are weak. Females are weak. Men are strong. Females are weak. 
no, no, but females are, but I'm right. And he knows I'm right, but he's mad now. And so is she. And they sit there and you'll happen to happen on Dave Portnoy. You end up having a whole group of people sitting there trying to argue. Well, some women are strong like men, trying to argue the fact that women are as strong as men physically because I've emotionally controlled them all and upset them all. So you get it. And if you're listening and not watching, he's always wearing sunglasses. He's embodying a character and he has developed in response a legion of fans that support him. All right. So you get a little bit of vibe there, right? And so uh, you can see, I mean, you can just tell, bro, wasn't his tone? Didn't he? I mean, he hold up, right? Like he hold up on Tucker Carlson. There's no way around it. My boy is tough. Oh, I, I say this. I say this to piss him off. And on Tucker Carlson, he's like, Tucker, all I said was, I think boys matter. Boys' lives matter. And men are important. And I have traditionally masculine values. Oh, you left out the part, though, where um, you think nothing's wrong with your girlfriend being on OnlyFans. And if she was, she would have to give you 80% of her profit because she's selling your product. Oh, maybe, like, maybe that was, maybe that contributed a little bit to, yeah, um, people hating you. And so he'll say, even, even there at the end, you hear him on Valuetainment, he was talking about, um, you know, I'll say things that piss people off intentionally. I'll say women are weak instead of saying men are physically stronger. Men are generally physically stronger than women. First of all, why? Secondly, do you know how much, how many levels of offense and grotesqueness and immorality that is below saying there's nothing intrinsically wrong with my girlfriend doing OnlyFans as long as I get 80% of the product, get to control it because she's selling my product. Uh, yeah, so those are some issues, I would say. And so you can see there, I, I feel like Candace did a great job as well, except for the last one kind of came down a little bit, but she generally escalated them, right? Like men are better under stress than women. Like you could say, okay, you know, honestly, if I had to choose between a male pilot or a female pilot or a male commander or a female commander on the battlefield, I probably would choose a dude. <laughs> I'm probably with you on that. So you kind of listen to it at first and you're like, okay, you know, I can kind of get behind that. I'd probably choose a man as well. I would have chose, you know, as an infantry officer, um, a, a male by and large, if, especially if you didn't know him, there could, there's females that would be better than men. But if I had to blindly choose and you had to say, you don't know who they are, but do you want a male or a female commander? You'd probably say, okay, I want a male commander at my job. Now I could care less if my boss is a man or a woman. Would make a difference. You know, I have somebody on my team um, that I work with that, uh, you know, there's plenty of women on the team that I really, really respect, but there's somebody on our team specifically that, like, I'll work for her any day in any circumstance, right? Um, doesn't mean that I would still not take, you know, a male pilot over a female pilot if, if the plane was crashing. Um, I don't think you need to be abrasive and angry as you say that, though. And that's where I feel like, so this is something that we just, we just be missing. You know, if you listen to me on Friday, talk about this a little bit, you heard me kind of share my frustrations with, uh, trads at times, right. Where it's like, you don't have to have any type of, um, gentleness or kindness. It's like only the truth matters. And it's like, ah, but does it though? Is it the only thing that matters or perhaps could we be okay with the fact that people are rational 
and emotional beings. Like, can we just, can we just be okay with that? I don't understand. Um, then he goes on to say, okay, no CPR unless you're a hot female. <laughs> In what world is that virtuous? Because somebody is fat or just a male in general, he says you're being a bitch if you have a heart attack. What? This dude is a nut. He's 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 a goon. He's a goon. And and the only reason, the only reason I'm really talking about him in his content is because I think he's so corny for getting on Tucker, finally tucking in his shirt, buttoning up, buttoning up his shirt, taking his sunglasses off, and being a nice little boy on Fox News. Now, I think Fox News is some hot trash in general. I don't watch it. We don't put it on in my house. Um, we don't either of us support it or believe in it. No, I think Fox, I think any. I never understand, and this isn't like a trash Tucker kind of moment, but I never understand why people are so, like, like I feel like so many conservatives are like, oh, Tucker Carlson this, Tucker Carlson that. Tucker Carlson sucks, in my humble opinion. And granted, I could work on my humility, so it's not that humble of an opinion. But Tucker Carlson is buns, dude. He He's literally the conservative version of, like, uh, Anderson Cooper. He's just he just shares more of my values, but he's still sold. Like he's still sold out. Fox News is so whack. They do advertisements and, and celebrate trans kids and all these weird stuff that Fox News is into. Anybody that's just reading off a script and they plan it and they they strategize the agenda, whack. I don't want anything to do with it. That's why I go to these other news sources. That's why I love the Daily Wire and I love the Daily Wire because the same things you never see out of either mainstream media outlet. And Ben Shapiro, I wish I remember which episode last week it was. It was either on Wednesday or Thursday. I don't think it was on Friday, but it might have been on Friday. I definitely listened to his episode on Friday, and I'm going to talk about that one a little bit, actually. He he gave Biden a lot of credit for the way that he called and spoke with and has been working with Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida throughout the entire Hurricane Ian situation. And I love that. I love hearing him and Matt Walsh. They don't do it a ton because Biden doesn't deserve a lot of credit for things. But they do, at times, admit Biden does something right. And, and, and Ben Shapiro is willing to trash things that Trump did. I don't understand these always Trumpers. I don't understand these Tucker Carlson fanatics. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And you can have your issues with Ben or Matt Walsh or, or Dave Rubin. You know, there's things I disagree with wildly with Dave Rubin. But I love the way he covers the news. I think he's funny. And he's candid. And he's telling me what I, what I need to see. He's showing, they show you actual clips of full footage where you can actually see people saying things. They're not just making stuff up or trying to push an agenda. So I hate legacy media in general. And I don't know why anybody watches it other than it being on at airports. And I don't know where else they have it on gyms, I guess. I think it's whack. So stop watching legacy media. Maybe we'll never have to watch Andrew Tate on Tucker Carlson again. But then, so he goes into this, no CPR, but, but for hot women, then he talks about nothing wrong with your girlfriend doing OnlyFans. Now, I would like to imagine that us, you know, this being a generally Christian audience, I don't need to explain to you why you should want your girlfriend doing OnlyFans. And, and how, do you know how distorted and truly misogynistic, even though he claims to not be misogynistic, and I'm with you that most things today that are, are pegged to be misogynistic are um, seen as not. Um, but 
I mean, this this is talk about degrading women. It's it's the same. This is the funny part, right? Is because he's viewed as more conservative and traditional masculinity, but he has that same logic to a certain extent as somebody who's on the progressive left that says fee, like sex work is real work, right? We should legalize sex work and prostitution should be legal, OnlyFans, all this stuff should be totally fine. And all conservatives are like, no, that's exploitation of women who might find themselves in financial straits or addicted to drugs in the case of prostitution oftentimes or forced into it um, or under the threat of violence from men. And he's like, he goes very close to that, right? To say that that OnlyFans, pornography, all this stuff is fine. He's like, as long as I get the vast majority of the, prop- the profits from it. Now, the person who was interviewing him, she's a woman, and she I think she didn't really press him that much on it, but there's no positive way to to explain that, <laughs> right? To like dive deeper into this kind of thought process or mentality, if you can even call it that, um, is basically impossible. It's an impossible task. So she doesn't, I mean, there's no point in even pressing him on it because what could you possibly say for why you think that women should be perfectly fine doing OnlyFans as long as the man gets the vast majority of the profits. It's wild. And then lastly there, he talks about saying things just to be an asshole. And I don't understand why people are so okay with it. And that, that kind of, to me, it kind of goes back to the whole Chad thing I had with on Friday with the argument I had last week where it's like, that's not like, that's not virtuous, right? Like to take it out of Christianity. Cause I don't think Andrew Tate claims to be a Christian, obviously. But he says, you know, um, yeah, I, I say things just to make people upset instead of saying men are generally physically stronger. And it's like the only reason you do that, right, to say women are weak is is clickbait and to start a, start a fuss, right? It's the same thing we saw with Trump sometimes. It's this lack of tactfulness to know there's sometimes you should burn it down and there's sometimes where you can take a more general approach. And it's the same thing. People got so mad and up in arms about um, the Matt Frad stuff. If you follow me on Instagram, you saw this a few weeks ago when Matt Frad posted a video on YouTube um, that said uh, women aren't funny was the title. It, that's a that's a he took obviously a much more charitable and uh, I think Catholic approach, more Catholic approach, not saying it was a Catholic approach that it was right, but it was definitely more Catholic than anything Andrew Tate ever says. But it's the same, that's the same line. That's the same title, right? Is uh, women aren't funny or to say uh, women are weak. Like, even, even if you think that that's true, why say it? What's the value? Oh, because it gets them pissed off and you see the dude from Valuetainment, his dumb ass is sitting there giggling about it. And it's like, why is that funny? I don't understand. Like, we have enough divisiveness and, and strife in the world. There's times right? To argue. There's times to be strong. There's times to be bold. I think there's times to be crass. I think there's times to be aggressive, but it's not all the time and it's not unnecessarily. And so with that, I want to kind of turn to um, um, something else that we saw last week. I know um, I know uh, uh, Jordan Peterson was on um, Piers Morgan recently. Let me actually see if I can find that clip for you because I think it's worth showing. Um, yeah, Piers Morgan interview. Um, they talk about uh, young men and 
uh, he actually gets emotional talking about it. And so it's really good. Um, and so I want to, I want to play some of this clip as well. And what, what's really great about this clip and what I was kind of getting at first before I actually decided to play it this way, I didn't look it up before is, uh, Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh both played this clip and talked about it on their podcast last week. And Ben really shared some interesting stats talking about how with the rise of radical feminism, with women increasing in the workplace, women generally are not happier. They're not any happier statistically than they were a hundred years ago, 50 years ago. Men are substantially less happy, right? Men have just been wrecked. I mean, our suicide rates, drug addiction, um, uh, they call it deaths of despair, right? Over drug overdoses and suicide are radically up in the vast majority of both are, are done by men. And, um, it's really, really sad. So what I think I agree with Andrew Tate on is this need where he talked about this, having these disaffected young men, Jordan Peterson to me is the, the virtuous, uh, counter side to that. So I'm going to pull this video up real quick. And, um, once I get the, the ad down, I'll play it. And so Jordan Peterson was, um, uh, interviewed by Piers Morgan, where where basically to save you a little bit of time here, um, he talks about uh, being cast as a villain on this um, movie, right? Where uh, Olivia Wilde, um, who's this dumbass actress and, and movie director, she is um, creating this movie where it, there's basically a villain that's based on Jordan Peterson. And so I don't remember the exact place where I want to play this, but he talks about the same thing. But listen to the different angle and, and the the uh, the um, trajectory that he goes with, the style that he goes with, right? And he's so fierce. He gets emotional talking about this. And it's beautiful. Let's listen to it. Control today. And yet in that brief moment, you got very emotional. Why? So that's Pierce talking about how he's been super controlled in this like hour long interview and then he gets emotional. And so he's like, why did that make you emotional? It's really something to see. Constantly. How many people are dying for a lack of an encouraging word? And how easy it is to provide that if you're careful, you know, give credit where credit is due. And to say, you're a net force for good if you want to be. Do you believe you're a net force for good? Net? Yes. In all the details? Probably not. See, now that's a humility a love for people that you just don't see out of an Andrew Tate. And you can't have that. And, and I mean, and if you think, again, this kind of goes back to my conversation on Friday, like the people who turn, and I feel like that was what I was striving for is this Jordan Peterson level, right? Of like extremely bold in interviews when necessary, can be aggressive, can be dangerous, right? Wildly set and strong in his position and his beliefs. Do you have to be an a-hole about it? No. Do you, do I think that Andrew Tate is a net force for good? Why would he be encouraging guys to just chase money and women as opposed to what's the difference? Like, why is that any better than being a progressive radical? 
just to be lost in all of your passions, in your greed and your anger and your lust. Why is that better? That doesn't make any sense. And so you see these people like Jordan Peterson and, and Ben and uh, Matt Walsh both talked about that last week and gave um, some insight and some thoughts on that segment there. Um, and I think that's the important part that we have to come back to is these deaths of, the, of despair. And the fact that nobody cares about these men, the, the thing that I think is most interesting about Andrew Tate is he's the pendulum swing back in the other extreme, right, from radical feminism. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. When you force men into this corner in, in society where it's like all of you suck unless you agree with all of these radical beliefs. And even then, if you're a white straight male, there's nothing you can do to redeem yourself. And there's no forgiveness for you because of the sins of your ancestors. And it's like, wow, that's pretty dark. And then on the other side, even if you are a man that's a minority, it's like, well, you are are a victim. And so you should be able to just do whatever you want, but um, also step aside for women. And you're just told that like men are bad, men are abusers, men are um, all these things, right? Stupid. You see it displayed in every TV show and movie, right? The, The Homer Simpsons of the world. The fathers and husbands that are just dumb and useless. It's painful and it's difficult to see, and there's no doubt about that. But drifting towards somebody like an Andrew Tate is not going to be the solution to those problems because he does not have the answers that are needed. You can't, as Martin Luther King said, you can't drive out darkness with darkness. Only light can do that. You can't drive out hate with hate. Only love can do that. You can't drive out vice and sin with vice and sin. Only virtue and holiness can do that. And so that's where I think Andrew Tate really misses the mark. And the whole situation of him being censored, I don't agree with it because I think that um, it's a tough it's a tough balance, right? I see the tensions pulling from both sides. The tensions from both sides are this. I've done episodes before on liberalism being a sin and um, and and liberalism being not just progressivism and like modern day Democrats, but like kind of like the founding principles, like libertarianism, um, this idea that like the individual is the the primary source of truth and morality and decision-making and all of that. Um, that's, that's, gen- that's generally the antithesis to Catholicism in a certain sense. At the same time, we do live in a society, right? And we don't live in a Catholic society. Um, and so with that, I would say that erring on the side of pretty much all free speech is better than starting to put in restrictions and limitations. Um, because I, I don't think, and I would never share a video, obviously, of, of Andrew Tate saying anything that he has to say, almost. But at the same time, um, restricting him, how do, I not, how do I know that the same people who are saying that restrict him aren't going to eventually say, yeah, and restrict anybody who talks about um, the Eucharist or talks about confession, right? Because I just had another video sent to me last week of this Protestant pastor talking about how heretical and and evil it is for Catholic priests to believe that they can represent the crucifixion on Sunday at Mass, right? At the altar. And so it's like, there's so many people out there who hate what Catholics believe. So it's like, how can I get to a place where I start to say, okay, yeah, let's start to limit speech. Um, Unless it's like inciting violence or, you know, really directly in that way. But that has to be strictly defined as inciting physical violence or threatening physical violence against somebody directly, right? So that's that's got to be the exception, I think. 
Um, but yeah, but do I think anybody in their right mind should listen to a single thing Andrew Tate has to say? Hell no. He made an entire career out of just being, uh, you know, uh, spicy hot takes and uh, being aggressive. And um, he was obviously like, he was a kickboxer and stuff like that before. But yeah, dude, he sucks. And so I guess that's my thought. If I had to vote, should he be removed from social media or not? My answer would be no. Um, Especially based on the fact that like, same thing that happened when Trump got banned from Twitter. It's like the Taliban has a Twitter and that's fine. And they actually threaten violence against people. (laughs) So they can be on. Then I think Andrew Tate should be able to share his stupid opinion. Why he's popular, I don't know. But that's why we do things like this, to try to give men, and, and women obviously, but but men an alternative to garbage like that. And to the dejecting, discouraging, despair-driven um, messages that you hear just from mainstream society, right? Of how awful men are. Um, and so, yeah. So those are my thoughts on that. I want to close with a definition of a gentleman from Cardinal John Henry Newman. Um, he is awesome and, uh, I loved him. I love him. I should say, I think I'm trying to read all the things. So he was the first rector of the Catholic university of Ireland, now university college in Dublin and was beatified by the Catholic church in September, 2010. And so he obviously like Newman centers and things like that are, um, named after him because he like did a lot of work with colleges and stuff like that. Uh, And I don't want to read this whole thing. I'll put a link to the whole thing in here. But I used to read this. I had a copy of this that I keep folded up in my backpack and would break it out in prayer along with The Way by St. Jose Maria Escriva and and one other thing that I had. Uh, But I put this up there with like the poem If by Rudyard Kipling. If you've ever read that, Uh, all men out there, you should read that. And uh, The Man in the Arena by uh, Teddy Roosevelt, this little speech he gave. Those are pretty fire, very inspiring. I, I kind of recite those, the Ranger Creed, things like that, that kind of really hit my masculinity and, uh, yeah, and just kind of inspired me to be a better man and to be more courageous and strong and virtuous. And so I want to read, I don't know where I'm going to stop here. I'm just going to read um, probably the first four paragraphs, or actually the first five. All right, so we're, gonna, we're just going to go through some of this, starting with the quote. It is almost a definition of a gentleman to say he is one who never inflicts pain. This description is both refined and, as far as it goes, accurate. He is mainly occupied in merely removing the obstacles which hinder the free and unembarrassed action of those about him, and he concurs with their movements rather than takes the initiative himself. His benefits may be considered as parallel to what are called comforts or conveniences in in arrangements of a personal nature like an easy chair or a good fire, which do their part in dispelling cold and fatigue, though nature provides both means of rest and animal heat without them. The true, man, the true gentleman in like manner carefully avoids whatever may cause a jar or a jolt in the minds of those with whom he is cast. All clashing of opinion or collision of feeling, all restraint or suspicion or gloom or resentment, his great concern being to make everyone at their ease and at home. He has his eyes on all his company. I especially love this part. Listen to this. Listen to this. He has his eyes on all his company. He is tender towards the bashful, gentle towards the distant, and merciful towards the absurd. He can recollect to whom he is speaking. 
He guards against unseasonable illusions or topics which may irritate. He is seldom prominent in conversation and never wearisome. He makes light of favors while he does them and seems to be receiving when he is conferring or when he is giving. He never speaks of of himself except when compelled, never defends himself by a mere retort. He has no ears for slander or gossip, gossip, is scrupulous in imputing motives to those who interfere with him, and interprets everything for the best. All right, I'm going to stop there. I love that. Oh, no, 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 no. One more paragraph. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So listen, he says, he is never mean or little in his disputes, never takes unfair advantage, never mistakes personalities or sharp sayings for arguments, or insinuates evil which he dare not say out. From a long-sighted prudence, he observes the maxim of the ancient sage, that we should ever conduct ourselves towards our enemy as if he were one day to be our friend. Oh, man. I love that. So the fourth paragraph there, I think, is my favorite. I remember, I remember hearing this because I love, and this is, this is my time when I was in college. I was reading a lot of St. Paul's letters. Love the definition of a gentleman. I loved uh, Rudyard Kipling's If. And why I loved all these different things was because I, um, I, I really started to understand that uh, I needed these practical tips, right? And you could say, you could, you could say, you know, he, he's kind of giving you advice of just being easygoing and agreeable, which I think is true to a certain extent. But you have to remember as well that, like, my man lived, when was he born? He lived in 1801 to 1890. So this is like high society, you know, a lot of like dinner parties and things like that. And I think we have lost the value of being able to establish relationships with people without necessarily going straight into like politics and religion, right? Like I'm always down to talk about that, but I have to remind myself that like, if that's the only thing I can talk about, I'm probably not that dope to be around. And I have to be able to like build these bridges and connections with people that are outside of those things. Otherwise, you know, like how am I ever supposed to evangelize or help people who are different than me? Right? So you have to be able to talk about these different things and different topics and to master this. This is what I feel like when Jordan Peterson talks about become a monster and then learn how to contain it. This is like when you know you've been able to contain it. Right? When you become a monster, you become intellectually, physically dangerous. Right? Like I know all the arguments, all the different things. But then as a gentleman, I know when to say that and when to not, when to speak up. Right? And so I love this. I, I, I love that he says uh, he can recollect to whom he is speaking. That, that phrase that I always love, remember your audience, right? Remember your audience. You got to know who you're talking to. And, and based on that, based on your desire to know them, your desire to see them as people, as unique, you know, individual human beings that God saw fit to create, and that he loves endlessly. When I can see that and I want to know you, then I can best know how to, how to speak with you. I can best know the things that God might be placing on my heart to share with you. Or I might, might even just know what you need in that moment. Maybe you just need somebody to talk to. I used to be somebody back in the day. Honestly, I think the podcast has helped. Um, but back in the day, I used to be somebody that like always dominated conversation. 
And this was, that was probably the one that really stuck out to me. It says, he is seldom prominent in conversation and never wearisome. So you all know what it's like to be with somebody who, who talks so much you can't get a word in, or all they want to talk about is themselves. That's another one he talks about. He never speaks of himself except when compelled. Right? He has no ears for slander or gossip. Um, you know somebody that, that goes on and on and on. They're wearisome. You get tired by just talking to them and listening to them ramble on and on and on about whatever they want to talk about, whatever they're thinking. Right to to try intentionally to not be that person is extremely difficult, right? He and then I love this one as well. He makes light of favors while he does them, and seems to be receiving when he is giving. I mean, you could think about that and work on that for a whole year. I bet to think of making light of favors as you do them. I often have been thinking about this is one that that would probably be in this Friday's thing because I've been thinking about it a lot over this weekend. I'm recording this on, on Sunday, October 2nd. But one thing I've been thinking about is I'm only as holy as I am when I'm interrupted or inconvenienced. Right? I feel like God really put that on my heart these last couple of days. Nathan, you are only as holy as you are in the moments where you are interrupted or inconvenienced. If that's your level of holiness, how holy are you? When somebody asks you for a favor, asks you to do something, and it's wildly inconvenient, it's late, you had plans, you were busy, whatever. Your spouse asks you to get them something when you just sat down. It could be small, it could be big. You're only as holy as you are in that moment. And it doesn't mean you have to always do the thing. But the way you respond to it, the way your anger immediately flares up, the way you judge the person, the way you cut your eyes at them or make a face. Those are the things that reveal yourself and reveal your level of virtue and holiness. Lord, make it so that we have hearts that seem to be receiving when we're giving to other people, right? Having no ears for slander or gossip. Man, I just, I love it so much. I I encourage you to read this. This is a great thing to take like to adoration and just sit with and just read it five times, man. And, And the lines that stand out to you, just underline them or highlight them, right? And just, just start to think about it. Which one of these, you know, am I really bad at? What am I really struggling with? His great concern being to make everyone at their ease and at home. How can you be that person that actively seeks out? That's another thing that really started to impact me from this as I read it over and over. Is how can I be the type of person that actively seeks out the needs of other people? I want to see, even if I'm at a party that's at a neutral location, right? Like it's not even at the crib. But we're at, you know, a church or we're at a friend's house or whatever. And I'm, I see somebody has an empty glass. Like, can I be the person that's like, hey, would you like some more water? Hey, would you like some more food? Would you like some more of this? Can I get you anything? Can I get, you know, it, but not just can I get you anything like this kind of general stuff, but directly seeing, oh, you need some water. Oh, you need a napkin. Oh, you forgot silverware. Let me get that for you. That kind of thing, right? Actively seeking it out and trying to notice, all right. What's lacking here? And that's going to roll over into so many different relationships in the workplace and all these different things where you're not just, as St. Paul instructs us all the time, don't just be focused on your own concerns, but actually worry about the needs of others more than your own. And that's the type of person God wants to create us to be, and that's the type of person that the definition of a gentleman will encourage you to be. So wrapping up here, Andrew Tate is a bum. Jordan Peterson's the man. 
redefinition of a gentleman by Cardinal uh, Newman because uh, it's absolutely fire and will really change your life if you pen- let it penetrate your mind and, and your soul and your heart to think about how you can be more of that person. I'm telling you guys, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are a real thing. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. That We need to have those things in our lives. And we also need to not be hoes and not be soft and not be scared to speak up and scared to confront somebody and scared to hold people accountable, scared to share the truth, scared to share the gospel. It's a tough thing to balance those two things out. And so you have to know and think about which side do I err on? Which side do I normally fall on the extreme on, right? Am I usually too soft and too cowardly or am I too bold and too aggressive? And then start to kind of round out your edges and start to figure it out. But you're never going to figure it out listening to idiots like Andrew Tate. And we're also not going to necessarily figure it out if we have to live in this soft, cushioned, censored world where we can only see offensive things or hear offensive things if we go into our settings and update them and um, never hear opposing opinions or, God forbid, a swear word. These scary swear words that really aren't sins, as long as you're not taking the Lord's name in vain. So... Yeah, so let's find that balance, dude. Use this week. This week is your week. I want you to go back, if you will, and read uh, Cardinal Newman's Definition of a Gentleman and think, which one do I need to work on the most this week? For me, it's going to be he makes light of favors while he does them and seems to be receiving when he is giving. That's what I'm going to be focused on and thinking about, praying about. Take this to adoration with you. Go to adoration this week. Go to confession this week. If you haven't been to confession in the last 30 days, you need to go to confession this week. Go to daily mass this week. Be great. Be a saint. Fight hard to be your best. Get your ass in the gym. Read each day. Say your prayers. Pray with your spouse. Pray with your family. Pray with your friends. All right. Uh, If this was impactful for you, I encourage you to share this, especially with a man in your life um, who you think could could, uh, benefit from it or might find it valuable. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this already. I can't remember because it's been 45 minutes, but <laughs> we did just pass uh, 80,000 downloads recently, which is um, just awesome to see. I think it's really cool. It'd be awesome if we could hit, I think we'll hit six figures probably at the beginning of next year, but just super exciting, guys. I just really, I'm so grateful for you. If you've left us a review, I'm super grateful. If you're subscribed, I'm thankful. If you've shared this on your social media, if you shared it with a friend, it means the world to me. And so, um, Thank you for all you do. Thanks for supporting the the podcast and know my prayers for all of you. And I appreciate your prayers for me. Go forward and be your best. Be your best. God bless.